All right, welcome to season two, episode three. Today we're going to have our guest speaker will be uh, Coach Clay, who's the girls' basketball coach at Garden City. Woo. But before that, this day in history, so on June 24th, of 1948, the Soviets blockade West Berlin. In one of the most dramatic standoffs in the history of the Cold War begins as the Soviet Union blocked all road and rail traffic to and from West Berlin. The Berlin Wall, obviously. The Berlin so, yeah, the Berlin Wall. That was a... Uh, Songs was, and movies about it. So that was a big, uh, a big thing that happened that started it off in, in history. And as we know, the United States then did the Berlin Airlift, but anyways. Yeah, we could go on a whole yeah, podcast exactly. over the history of that. <laughs> so, so we'll go to uh, famous birthdays. We have, and I don't, know, I don't know exactly how to say his name. Is it Lionel? Lion, Lion, Liano? I Liano. think it's, I really think it's pronounced oh, Liano. Messi. Anyways, he's a soccer star. I mean, makes a ton of money. Uh, he turned 33 today. We got uh, Mindy Kaling, I guess. Is She is 41. She, if, if you have any Office fans out there, she's Kelly from The Office. Of course, we're both Office fans, so we know... Uh, know our Office That's stuff. right, we know our Office stuff. That could be in a whole other podcast, too. Is oh, just yeah, that'd be issue. cool. That's right. Next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the third one I got for you guys is J.J. Reddick. Is 36. Former Duke, former Duke uh, guard, now plays in the NBA with the Pelicans. I think I don't know. I was about to I don't say. Remember. I'm not I don't sure. really follow JJ like that. I know. I'm not sure either. I mean, Kyle Korver is a better three point shooter, yeah, so I'll give you that. <laughs> he, he plays in the NBA for somebody. So yeah, he plays for somebody. He's uh he's 36 today. So there, that is your this day in history and birthdays. All right, guys. For the word of the day today, I have the word optimistic. Couldn't really figure out how to spell it, but I'm pretty positive that I spelled it right, which is the oh. meaning of the word, staying positive. Um, always, uh, as coaches, we always try to teach kids to stay positive, think positive. You know, if you, if you have a positive mindset constantly, you're going to be a happier person. I mean, as simple as that. You're going to have better success in life, on the court, on the field, everywhere. Just so, so to our listeners... Be optimistic today. Stay positive. If you have friends and they're being they're being negative, tell them to, to stay positive. Tell them to be positive, and things yeah. will start turning around. View the glass half full, not half empty. Or drink the glass. Or just, that's right. And through this time with COVID, it's really easy to be, I guess, pessimistic. Yep. But we need you, everyone, to be as optimistic as we can be. So Amen. great word, Coach. Thank you. All right, so here comes our interview with Coach Clay from Garden City. Hey, Coach. Hey, how are you? Pretty good, man. How's it going? Good, good. Good deal. Yeah, hey, we got Coach Rogers with us too, so. Awesome. How are you, Coach? How about you? Oh, doing good myself. Just enjoying this Wednesday. (laughs) There he is, middle of the week. Oh, yeah. All right, Coach, so we're going to get started on these quick questions so our listeners can get to know you a little better. Okay, sounds right. good. So what are what are some of your hobbies, Coach? Well, that's kind of a tough question because I don't have a lot of hobbies. I uh, yeah. I don't really play golf or anything like most old coaches. So uh, I'm a basketball guy. You know, I watch basketball a lot, uh, kind of a junkie. 
other than that, you know, I spend time with my wife, my kids. We have eight kids between us, so that's full time. Got seven yeah. grandkids. That takes a lot of time. Uh, we ride bikes, go for walks, go to the movies. And that's about it. That takes up our time. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, I miss get, grandkids, get grandkids, they take up all your time, man. <laughs> I don't yeah. that at all. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I know, uh, I know my parents and, and my wife's parents, they definitely always enjoy getting the grandkids. And sometimes it's nice because they'll take the grandkids and then me and her can go on a date or do something to have a little break from the kids. So it's, it, and it's just that with us, it's a little break. We always tell our kids, we're like three hour grandparents. Hey, there we like, go. Like that's enough. I always tease them. I say, I'm going to get one of those, uh, those beepers. Like when you go to the steakhouse and they give you when your table's ready. That's right. So when they drop off the grandkids, you take that beeper. When it goes off, you need to get back here. <laughs> that's a good it's idea. time to pick them back. I like it. Time to get them. <laughs> Uh, that's a great idea. All right, we'll move on. Who is who's your favorite athlete and why? Well, that depends, I guess, on what we're talking about. All time, my all time favorite guy is Magic Johnson. No, no right. doubt about it. I'm a Lakers guy. Have been always. Hey, there we go. Uh, he just revolutionized his position, changed the game. You know, was very charismatic. He was a winner. You know, I loved everything about him. I I had a Magic Johnson jersey before they sold jerseys. My mom just made it for me. Wow. And it was – he was just my guy, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'd say, you know, also out there during that same time, I was a big Walter Payton fan. I later was a Kobe fan, you know, because he's also a Laker and just kind of a his, – his competition mentality was just crazy, you know. Uh, of course, during the Bulls run, like everybody else, I was an MJ fan, big Dirk fan. You know, in today's world, I really like LeBron. One, he plays for the Lakers, and two, <laughs> he's just a really good guy. You know, just yeah, just a good guy. I like guys like Steph Curry, who really had to battle to become as good as he is. You know, he's not that big. He wasn't highly recruited, but he just worked hard at it, and he's ridiculously good. And uh, and I like Tom Brady, and I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not a Buccaneers fan. I like Tom Brady because the same thing. Nobody thought much of him, and he not only became a winner, but he sustained it. And oftentimes, it's way harder to sustain winning than it is to go win in the beginning. You know, sustained excellence is hard, and I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are always rooting against the big dog, but I appreciate the big dog for the work they put in. Oh yeah, and I, you know, of course I was a big. I'm a big Kobe fan as well. That was my when growing up. I and I had a jersey of his, and I just I, was, I loved Kobe. But have you seen that? Uh, that meant when you said Tom Brady, I saw. I was watching a video about Tom Brady. It was a little little documentary about him, about this video. Or not really documentary, but it was a video on YouTube. And uh, have you seen that thing where it said uh, he 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 posts a picture and it has like his I think is when he. I think he just won maybe his fifth. It was either his fourth or fifth Super Bowl, and he put a picture on, like, social media, and he put – he said, which one of these rings is my favorite, question mark, and then he put, like – The next like, one. And he put dot, 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 and then it was, like, the next one. I was like, oh, man, that's <laughs> – I was like I – I, I just – I love that mentality, though. I don't know. It's, so. it, it, it's amazing. It, it, just, just the ability to get there and stay there. 
you know, and I hope he does it in Tampa Bay because I just love that story. Just like, just like Jordan did, you know, when he won his three and then he left and he came back and said, you know what, I can do it again. Mm-hmm. And he did it again. And, you know, Kobe too, to a large degree, you know, he won three with Shaq and then you yeah. know, that broke up and he said, you know what, I can do it without you. Yeah. And, and he could. And I just, I just love that mentality of the guys that, that can do that because their work ethic and their, their competitive drive are just off the charts, you know, just yes, sir. absolutely well, through the roof. Well, and you hear those, I mean, I know you've probably heard those stories about Kobe where, I mean, they, I mean, there's been many stories come out on him where they'll say, I mean, the amount of work he put in was crazy. I mean, just like, you know, I know that one story you remember is like that some trainer and he was like, Hey, I'll, oh, you know, yeah. and I don't know. He, he said Kobe was just up there from like three in the morning until like, I don't know. It's just, I mean, the amount of work they said he put in was just nuts. So, And his competitiveness in the game. And he and Jordan were similar in this. Lots of NBA stars, especially, you know, you get fouled on one end or you lose a ball on one end, you stand there and cry about it. Yes. Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan always sprinted to the other end and played defense first. Mm-hmm. Then gripe about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. they, they didn't gripe about it while play was going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and those guys took as much – uh, pride, effort, you know, through that competitiveness into defense as they did offense. And Co- people forget Kobe played 20 years. So people that saw him in the last five years, they didn't see the Kobe defense right. that occurred his first 10, 15 years, you know. So just phenomenal on both ends of the floor. And that's how you win. You know, when your best yep. player says, I'm going to do it on this end too, then that, that's how you win well, five championships. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was – I loved I loved watching those with him and Kyle Gasol and Lamar Odom. And, man, those are – I like those. I mean, not that not that what he did with Shaq wasn't, but, man, I really enjoyed watching those with those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah where, he, where he was just the man, yeah. you know. So, all right, so who's your favorite – I guess just – it can be college, NFL, NBA, whatever. Who's your favorite college or whoever coached and why? This will sound crazy, but – my favorite co- college coach is Rick Pitino. Okay. And, of course, there's all kinds of controversy surrounding Rick Pitino right. all the time. He does this and does that. That ain't got anything to do with it. He's complete opposite of me in his style. You know, he's always so well-dressed and manicured. and <laughs> looks so good. And you know me. You know, I'm going to show up in an untucked shirt. And, That's right. <laughs> you know, I'm coaching at the state tournament with my shirt untucked. So, um, Be you. I like it. <laughs> But I, lo- I love his style of play, mm-hmm. you know, just that full court press all the time, get shots up. You know, his, his goal every game is we are going to physically wear you out. Yeah. We're just, we're just going to pound on you and pound on you and pound on you until you can't take it anymore. And that's the same way we try to do. And uh, he's always kind of been uh, my influence on that. You know, now we don't do the exact same things he does, although he does run a lot of the same full court stuff we do. But just their style, I love to watch him when he was at Kentucky, when he was at Louisville. I'm about to be the biggest Iona fan there is in the world. I don't even know where Iona is, but I'm about to watch him every chance. I <laughs> that kind of reminds me of a, a little bit of kind of the style. As though it seems like to me as though Bob Huggins at West Virginia is kind of that way too, just – that dude, man, he gets his those West Virginia guys. They just play defense oh, they a lot get of times, it. full court, just get after the whole it, time. So he said, he said, speaking of Huggins, he said the best thing at at clinic one time. 
about getting getting kids to do things the way he wants them to do it. And he said he had a treadmill and a treadmill coach. He said, I don't send kids just tell them to go run. He said, because then they can run as slow as they want. Oh. <laughs> he goes, we put them on a treadmill. And we have a treadmill coach that decides how fast it goes and how long they have to run. That'd be nice. <laughs> oh, and he said, we put the back of it up against a wall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he said, so they got to run or they're crashing into that wall. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Probably every coach in Texas went and bought a treadmill after that. But you... I bet you're right. That, that doesn't surprise me about him either. That dude is – he's hard. I mean, he's – I mean, you can just tell, like, like I said, you can just tell his – man, he just – he's all about getting after those guys and having them work hard. And if they don't want to do it, he just – I don't know. It's pretty amazing. But so He's one of those guys you're talking about being you, you know. He's yeah, just – he's right. kind of him, you know. He is. I, I, I don't know who his influence in the coaching world are, but it wouldn't be surprised if he said nobody. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just – that's just probably. figuring it out myself, you know. For sure. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can we can get on to the the long and detailed and fun questions. You ready? <laughs> this is the hardest one. This is the hardest one. All right. So, tell us about yourself and your journey. See, that's difficult because you don't know where to start. You don't know where know. to end. You don't know what to put in between. <laughs> you know. Um, I'm interested, you know, I do that little show I do and and my show is about this completely, you know, yes, about sir. people's, people's upbringing and stuff. And that fascinates me. So I'll start there. I'm from Ira and Texas. Uh, yep. My parents kind of moved around for a while, but that's kind of where we settled. And so I grew up hardcore football, hardcore, you know, Ira and is, is football country. And uh, so I grew up in that, played in the band one year. You know, I won state and band one year. Oh, wow. And, uh, gotcha. It was a lot of work. <laughs> it was an unbelievable amount of work. Iron had this huge band. You know, we had 160 people in high school. We had 100 people in the band. God, that's a lot. Oh, man. Huge. Big deal. Big deal. You drive into town, there's a big sign. It doesn't say home of the Braves. It says home of the big bread band, you know. And, uh, <laughs> they, uh, but it was an incredible amount of work. And at the end, we won state, and I didn't get anything. I'm like, what the heck? I don't get a medal. I don't get a ribbon, nothing. And uh, so I didn't play anymore after that. But I was still always a big fan of theirs, you know. Mm -hmm. I thought that – I thought – you played in high school band in eighth grade there. That's when I played. And and then going into my freshman year, I thought I would be on the varsity football team. And if you take away the band trips to all the games – I mean, there's all the fun gone. The rest of it's just work. And I thought, eh, I'm not in on that. So so I didn't play anymore, but I did play football, basketball track there. Um, went on. Went, I'll tell you an interesting thing. I, I went to college. I went to several colleges, but I went to McMurray was my main school. Okay. And uh, I lived in an apartment with four other guys. Well, three other guys full time. One guy kind of came and went. So there were three of us, uh, a guy named Tom Hargrove from Sweetwater, okay, a guy named Clay Pullen from Quero, and my roommate was Trey Ritchie from Jayton. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rich. My, my high school, my senior football team, we went 12-0-1. We tied in the uh, state 
quarterfinals to Goldthwaite, who won the next two games, 20-something to seven, 20-something, you know. We tied the state champs. And uh, I was the worst one in the apartment. (laughs) 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 It was crazy. Cuero, I think they got beat in the state championship that year. Uh, Sweetwater went 14-1 and and won the state championship. I think they lost to Abilene High along the way. Mm. And, of course, Jayton was in – that was their second year of back-to-back state championships. Right. And I'm like, holy crap, 12-on-1, and I'm like the dog of the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, – Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never – I didn't know that. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they let me know about it all the time, you know. Oh, I'm sure they did. Oh, sometimes they would just – I would walk in and all three of them be wearing their medal. seeing like seeing that's crazy because normally you know with that amount of success even that you had you could still beat the guy that would be like hey i we you know we lost to the eventual state champions and you know and it's like and normally you could talk a lot of trash but in that deal that makes it tough yeah yeah it's it's unbelievable they're like oh you couldn't even get to the state title game come on yeah but anyway i uh i was not a great college student uh in the academic sense, I was a great college student in enjoying the experience, but, uh, in the, in, in the world of academia, I was not great at that point. Mm-hmm. And eventually, uh, McMurray college asked me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so I left and I became a cop. Okay. And I was a police officer for nine years. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I was, and and I didn't like it at all. I'm telling you right now, I didn't like it at all. It uh, it's a very negative job. I mean, you know, I have mad respect for guys that do it because, mm-hmm. you know, you go out, you get in your car, you go out on patrol, and every time the radio goes off and they're calling you, it's something that has gotten so bad somebody mm-hmm. called the police. It's right. it's never one time did they call and say, hey, you need to go to this address. This lady wants to give you some cookies. Never, <laughs> never happened. And that you, sucks. Yeah, yeah. So you just go at home at the end of every day, just like, oh my gosh, the world's a terrible place, you know. Yeah. So I was, I was doing that actually, and I had been up to Dallas visiting my family. I lived in Odessa, and I'm driving back to Odessa, and we drive through Borden County to see Trey, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a, he's a head basketball coach at the time. It's before he became the head football guy. Mm-hmm. but they have a game that night. So I'm sitting right behind the bench and we're watching and it's just so cool. You know, it's just so cool. You know, he was a sports guy. I was a sports guy. You know, when Trey and I, we used to go everywhere in the world playing basketball. You know, I mean, okay. we played every league we could find. We played in every tournament we could find. We drove, no kidding, me, Trey, a guy named Dwayne Scott from Odessa and a guy named Todd Evans played at McMurray we drove to Atlanta Georgia to play three on three <laughs> man for money I'm hoping or just it was fun? a turn it was a tournament okay it was like a national tournament and you had to win like a local you had to win like a state and then you got to go to regional and then to the nationals and we won our local in Odessa we won our state in Dallas and we got to go to Atlanta for the regional and yeah. People there were for real. The team that beat us out, we did not score a point. It's, it's played a 16. Oh. 
and we, we didn't score. <laughs> but that's how crazy we were about basketball. I mean, we would play in all-night tournaments. We just went everywhere and played, you know. We would play in barns. It didn't matter. We would – I mean, if you if you had a gym and we heard you were playing, we would just crash your party, you know. We would show up and play. We used to go out to Abilene Wiley. They would play at this field house with a goal in They would play in there, Coach Sanford, and then we would just show up, you know. Yeah. Coach Sanford get all rough with us. and But uh, but anywhere we would play. So, so when I stopped and watched him, you know, it was just so cool, so much better than what I was doing. We got in the car left. I told my wife, I got I to gotta become a coach. Yeah. There. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Had it there. My phone was ringing. <laughs> so I went. I I got back on it right after that. Finished finished school, and uh, and got a coaching job right away. You know, and my first interview was real funny. I I, I walked in. It was Northwest ISD up by Fort Worth. One of the richest districts in Texas. One of the biggest regrets of my coach career is I didn't just stay there my whole career. <laughs> Dude, I'm not joking. I, I were in the 90s. In the 90s, I was a junior high coach there making in the mid-40s. Dang. But I walked in for my first interview, and the guy looked at my resume. He goes, you played football at Ira Ann? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, all right, you're hired. That was it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> So, uh, so I worked there a couple of years, worked with my old high school buddy, um, Kirby. We had went to high school together. Our dads had went to high school together in Aspermont, and we went to school together in Ira Ann, and then we got, we got to work in there together. Mm-hmm. His dad, incidentally, is the great John Ray Godfrey from Aspermont. Uh, I don't know if y'all know anything about that, but back in the 60s when Aspermont went to state, he was like set the state record for points in a game and then became an All-American at Abilene Christian. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a legend out in y'all's part of the world. Yeah. But uh anyway, so I worked there a couple of years and then then Trey kind of influenced me again because he had left Borden County and went to Stanford. Yes. And he went there for one year and then he returned. Well, when he left, they said, Hey, you know, you know anybody that we could hire to take your place? And he gave them my name. And so they called me just kind of out of the blue. And said, hey, would you like to interview for this job? I didn't even know how they got my name. I didn't know Trey had done that. And I went and interviewed at Stanford. And I didn't get the job. I didn't get the job. Because I was a two-year junior high guy. But I also was 30 years old. So, But I thought, you know what? Maybe I can get a head coaching job. So I sent out resumes everywhere in Texas. Just everywhere. And uh, I got two quick interviews at Chillicothe and at Valley. Mm-hmm. And I went and interviewed at both, and Brett Tyler at Valley offered me the job about 15 minutes after I left. Yep. And uh, so I took that job thinking I'm on my way to basketball glory. And uh, <laughs> I walked myself straight into a football school. <laughs> but, uh, but we were a football school loaded with athletes loaded yeah and uh we went we went zero district wins my first year there in basketball zero we were in a district with nazareth who was a state champs silverton who got who beat them who naz beat in the regional finals happy had just got back from the state tournament they didn't make the playoffs that year you know i mean our our district was just brutal just loaded oh man i'm telling you it was so good red ivory was at silverton that guy eric Schilling, who's the coach at nazareth now went Uh on state titles he was their stud. 
Yeah. He was, he was unstoppable. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then we started getting the kids to play a little bit after school. Brett liked to play some. Greg Ramsey liked to play. Stuart yeah. Smith was a coach there. He liked to play. We had a big, tall coach named Troy Fry. He liked to play. So we started playing after school. Well, the boys started coming and playing with us. Mm-hmm. And the more we did that, the better they got. Oh, yeah. And uh, in my third year, we went 10-0 and 0 in district in basketball. <laughs> in fact, Man. I remember riding home from the game when we clinched district, which was about game seven, maybe eight. And Brett's driving the bus, and he just looked at me and said, I can't believe these kids won district in basketball. I just can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're athletes, you know. That's right. But, but of course, at Valley, you know, we had real good success in football. Um, We didn't know what we were doing. Brett had been an 11-man guy. I had been an 11-man guy. Ramsey was an 11-man guy. Stewart was 11 We didn't know what we were doing. So we were just making it up as we went, you know. Brett, Brett knew to line up in an eye and just run over people. You know, yeah. we were lucky we were big. and I, yeah. I knew 11-man defense, so we played 11-man defense. I, if anybody's ever seen me uh, call a defense in a six-man game, I just stunt like crazy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's insane what I – you know, that's why people score all those points on us. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but we end up going to the state championship game in my fourth year. Which was a weird deal. I don't know if y'all ever talked to Brett much, but yes, I do. Every had, once in a while. We had had a pretty good team for for several years, but we graduated like eight of them one year. And you know, in six man, that's yes, that's that's mm-hmm. big. Yeah, graduated almost the whole varsity. So we came in the next year, and we weren't sure. We had had a really good JV, but you don't know how that's going to translate. Yeah. And we go out the first day of practice. First day, we're in shorts and t-shirts. We go up there and practice. We come in. We're sitting in the office, and we're just quiet. And then he looks at me, and he says, we might be the best team in Texas. I said, dude, I think we are. Who can be better than us? Did you see us out there? You know? And uh, and we just started. He said, he said we got to have short practice here so we don't get tired. We don't want anybody hurt. I mean, we just modified everything we did for game day, you know. Right. And, man, we started rolling people. I mean, we didn't we didn't play a second half until uh, the second round of the playoffs. And in the second round of the playoffs, we played Paducah, and we're down twenty going into the fourth quarter, and come back and beat them by one. We beat them like fifty four fifty three, and uh, and and then we rolled Ira, we rolled Highland. We get to the state championship against Richmond Springs. I'll, I'll never forget Brett and I watching that film, and it's that same silence we had at the first of the year. And I finally looked at him and said, "Dude, we can't beat these guys because <laughs> I don't think we can." <laughs> that was when uh, Etheridge was a freshman. Yep, dude, he was no, he unreal. He was unreal. He, I, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm walking up and down the sidelines. I'm asking everybody, what do I do? What do you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how to stop. I'm looking at the stands, putting my arms up, going, any suggestions up there? Because I don't know. You, know? You, you couldn't get him one-on-one. You know, you couldn't really get him two guys. I would send three guys after him and take away, you know, all the close stuff, and he would throw it 50 yards in the air down the backside sideline. Like, I don't know what to do, you know. Uh, shoot, I, I know from experience that it, I know from actually playing the guy that's golly, it was it was tough. Uh, I, I just it on the on the opening play of the game, 
we we had the ball. I think this is right. And we run a little sweep at him, and he comes up from the safety position, and our fullback, who's a pretty big kid, goes to block him, and Etheridge just blows him up and sends him flying. Yeah. And I looked at Brett and I said, "We're in trouble, dude." We're in trouble. <laughs> well, you know that's that's the thing about him that a lot of people. I mean, if if but a lot of people if they didn't really get to watch or whatever, like he was a stud on defense too. You know, most people just remember him for all his offensive stuff, but he was a good defensive player too. Oh man, he was jacked up. I mean, he didn't look like a freshman to me. No, you know? gosh, no, he wasn't. I, I would have thought he was a senior if I didn't know. You know. Yeah. And we actually played pretty well. I think we're down four in the second half with the ball. You know, we have a big fourth down play, and we run a little crossing pattern, and our, our receiver runs into a ref. And uh, they end up beating us 20. But, you know, six, man, 20 is a ball game. Oh, six, I know. Yeah. 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 So then I got kind of crazy, and uh, I got offered a job in Monahan's. And I wasn't really that interested because I knew we were going to be good coming back in football and basketball. I knew we were still going to be good. But, man, I went down there and talked to them. They showed me that big gym. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that gym in Monahan's, but I don't think I have. I think I've seen it on Twitter. Dude, it's like a palace. I mean, it's a, got it's got racquetball courts and an indoor swimming pool and a second gym on it and weight room and fitness rooms. I mean, it's, the gym itself is like this massive bowl. It's just – it's unbelievable. So I took, I went down there, left my, left my top 10 team and our state football team and went down there and went six and 21 my first year. <laughs> uh, I was hating laughs, <laughs> but we kept battling and we got better, made the playoffs in our second year, made the playoffs in our third year. You know, this is a, this is a stat that I've told somebody once before that, that maybe I'm most proud of. But when I got to Valley, they hadn't been in the playoffs in several years. And we got in in my third year. We missed it my second year by one point. That's when only two teams, we lost the second place game by one point. So we got in my third year. In Monaghan's, we got in my second year. Uh, you know, then I went to Menno Grady. Got in my first year. They hadn't been in. None of them had been in in a while. And all <laughs> Missed the playoffs. They got in and established, hey, we're basketball for real. Right. And uh, I've always been real proud of that. You know, if nothing else, we built a little basketball culture at those places. Valley was not a basketball school before that, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and now when you talk about Valley, I mean, you got to talk about their basketball as much as their football. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're just full of, of reeling off, you know, a state run in basketball as they are football. And, and uh, Monahan's is, is not a basketball town. It is a football, volleyball, band, track town. You know, that's what it is. But uh, we got into the playoffs my second two years there. They hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years before that. And we didn't win. We lost by one in the playoffs. But they did win – the next year after I left, they finally won a playoff game, and they've won several since then. So we spent years there. Then we decided to get back smaller again. My son was getting into high school, and he he really wanted to be at a smaller school, and and uh, Monahan's was ready for me to go. <laughs> so, just, so uh, just the right we time. we went 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny thing about all that, we uh, at that time there's a school in East Texas called Rivercrest. Uh huh. And Rivercrest, pretty good basketball school. And their coach had been there. Wakewood was their coach. He'd been there for like forty years. Won a state championship. He retired. And in the coaching world, you know, everybody in the world was was talking about applying for this job. And somebody said on some message board that I was on something about applying for it, but I'm from West Texas. And people said, don't apply. East Texas won't hire West Texas basketball coaches because they don't think y'all know anything about basketball. <laughs> so they won't hire you. So I applied just to throw a wrench in that if I could, you mm-hmm. know. And I got the dang job. <laughs> They hired me. <laughs> well, then it was a problem. It's 600 miles from where I live. Whoops. And uh, we, we couldn't find a job for my wife. So, man, we kept looking and looking. She was an administrator in Odessa. Makes, you know, six yeah. figures. So she couldn't just take an assistant principal job. You know, she needed, she right. needed money. And uh, so eventually we get to like June. And I got to call them and tell them I, I can't come. You know, I'm not going to live 600 miles from my family. No. And she, she can't find a job. So, so I back out of it and basically don't have a job. I do not have a job. And uh, I, had, I had got Greenwood to offer me a teaching position, not even coaching, just teaching. Mm-hmm. And I thought that'll be fine, you know. Yeah, just for well, – yeah. yeah. Then last second, Cody Carroll from Meadow calls me and says, are you looking – because we have our head boys basketball jobs open. And I said, man, I'd love to come talk to you about it. He goes, you ain't got to come talk to anybody. It's yours if you want it. <laughs> I said, deal. So I took it sight unseen. You know, uh, Kent Allison was a head football yeah. coach time. He was out of town, you know, so he, he didn't learn about it till he got back. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to Meadow and I spent two years there and it was a great deal. It was a great deal. Kent Allison is the single hardest working human I have ever known in my life. Mm-hmm. Just everything he wins at, he deserves to win at because, man, you talk about working hard. I, I, I couldn't keep up with him. I just couldn't. You know, we, we would start so early in the morning. We worked so late at night, and every bit of it was work. It wasn't sitting around chit-chatting like in a lot of field houses. No, we were working. And, uh, he, uh, and, but he did it in everything. He was a football, basketball track guy. You know, he coached the junior high right. basketball team. Didn't lose a game for like five straight years. Oh, man, golly. Hey, let, let me tell you a funny story about that. <laughs> one, one of those years, I think our second year, he, uh, he, no, it was the first year. He had won all these games, you know, in junior high. He was real proud of it. And, uh, he had to be gone. He and Kimmy had to go to a wedding. And we had a tournament in Whiteface. So I said, no problems, Kent. I'll coach him. He goes, okay, okay, don't lose. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, we ain't lost a game in five years. We ain't going to lose, you know. Yeah. And uh, I go over there. We're playing Whit Harrell in the finals. And they got this big kid. And they're good. And we're down to about the last eight seconds of the game. We're down one. And I'm thinking – Kent's going to kill me. <laughs> you know, this is my program. I'm the basketball coach. 
but yeah. he coached it. And I think he is literally going to be so mad at me. <laughs> and uh, so we got the ball. We call a play, a clear out play for Brandon Flores, who's the. Oh, you yeah. know the. Uh-huh. You, know, you, you know Brandon. I know Brandon. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's the. He's so we clear out for him. He's a seventh grader. Mm-hmm. He gets a beautiful shot right in the middle of the lane. Makes a little move. Gets about the free throw line. Takes a little jumper. Misses it. Their big kid just smacks it out of there on the rebound. It's flying to the sideline. We had this kid named Zach England who was all – he was Kent as a player. I mean, he was crazy hard worker. He comes running, dives in the air, Dennis Robbins style, grabs it, throws it over his head. Brandon catches it in the air and throws it in the basket. <laughs> and we win by one. Wow. <laughs> and forget winning the tournament. I was so relieved that Kent wasn't going to kill me. <laughs> oh, man. That was a phone call I didn't want to make, you know. Oh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even tell him what happened at the time. I just said, hey, we won. You're good, you know. Turned out till later. I'm like, oh. I played for both those guys in the All-Star game my senior year at, at the six-man All-Star game. That's who the coaches were. Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah, I played. That was actually Coach – I think it was uh, Coach Carroll's very last game he ever coached. Yeah. They let him coach. They let him coach the All Star game that time, and that's when I knew they kept telling me how Coach Allison was going to take over for him and stuff. So those I love. I like. I like. I enjoyed playing for both those guys in that All Star game. Oh man, Coach! I enjoyed it. Cody Carroll's. He's such a great superintendent. You know, yeah. I worked for him at Meadow, and I later worked for him at Crum. Yeah, I was about I, to say. Yeah, but is he uh, still at Crum? No, he's he's going to. Um, Dad, gum it. Oh, he's going like, holiday. No, okay. He's, he's going to holiday. Got you. I knew, yeah, because like I said, last I heard he was at Crown, but I hadn't heard in a while. So, yeah, yeah, he's going to holiday now. So anyway, so that was that. Now you know we we had a good run at Meadow. Mm-hmm. I started speaking of Coach Carroll. My first year there, I started three freshmen. And yeah. uh, the first game we're playing ropes. Who is? I mean, yeah, you were at Meadow, so yeah, that's right. You know what that is. <laughs> yep, that's our opening game of the season. They're not in our district, oddly enough, that year. They're they're our first game, and uh, he comes to me, sits down, says, "So I hear you're going to start three freshmen." I said, "Yeah." He goes, "All right, I hope they're good." <laughs> he <laughs> said, "Are they going to get you around here?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> but uh, but they were good. The three freshmen were good. We uh, we went ten and zero in that district. We had to beat ropes in a crazy playoff game in the regional quarterfinals to get to the to the regional tournament. Uh, we played them at Friendship. It is packed. That gym is packed. We had a we had a player at the time at Meadow named Matt Bell. Ridiculously good football player, man. Just ridiculously good football player. But he uh, he ran a Wednesday evening church youth group. He's in high school. He runs his youth group. He's got like a hundred kids from all over the area that comes to this thing. So when we go play in that game, all these youth group kids are there. I mean, they're all there to support Matt, you know, and uh, we end up beating ropes in overtime to get to the regional tournament. And uh, it was crazy packed house and at friendship. It was just nuts. And that was my first regional tournament since I had been in high school. When I was in high school, this is, this is another ironic thing. When I was in high school, I went to two regional tournaments as a junior and senior, and both times I got beat by Trey Ritchie. 
That's a, that is that is crazy. Yeah, he's kind of a thorn in my side there. So, yeah, yeah. And then we became, you know, we became roommates, and you know, then I was in his wedding. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, so we, we went to two regional tournaments at Meadow, lost to Nazareth both times. The two times I went in high school, Jayton beat us, but they lost to Nazareth both times. Nazareth went to state both of those years. Nazareth went to state both of the years I was at Meadow. Yeah. We left Meadow and went to Grady. And we did that because my wife was driving back and forth from Meadow to Odessa. And it was just a long drive. Oh, yeah. So Grady got us a lot closer. Um, so we moved there, had, had a great team coming in. They had just got back from the state tournament with Coach Harrison. They had three starters back. You know, I brought my son in. Uh, we had a point guard move in from Greenwood who was a stud. We were good. And uh, freaking Grumbles beat us twice in district at Sands to win district. Uh, we, we lose two of them to injury. Zeke breaks a foot. Uh, Jacob Rodriguez, who was a stud, he tore his ACL. Gosh, man. And uh, we're hobbling around through the playoffs. We end up getting beat in the second round. I never had a I never had a more successful season if it felt like a failure. Right. We went twenty eight and four, and we were so disappointed. Golly. Just like, yeah, just like it was a disaster of a season, you know. And uh, we lost to Meadow because <laughs> they were fired up. Oh yeah. We lost twice to Sands, and we lost to Anton, who was really good. Anton lost in the regional finals, but uh, but anyway. But then after that, we we reeled off four four regional tournaments in a row at, at Grady, you know, and uh, we lost to uh, we lost to Nazareth another time in the regional tournament. Let's gotcha. see, four times there, yeah. Um, Nazareth yeah. beat me in two, 2014, and they went to state again. You know, I was tired of those guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot. I think a lot of people are. Like, gosh, every time you see just Naz. Gosh. Yeah, twenty twelve, twenty twelve. We in twenty eleven, we graduated like eight of our ten guys. Yeah, from the twenty eight and fourteen, we graduate eight of our ten. So we go into the next year. My son's a senior. He's one of the two that are back. And I just thought we weren't. I didn't know if we would be good or not. I didn't think we could possibly be as good as we were the year before because right. we lost so many guys. And. um and so I, I, it changed me as a coach. I decided his senior year, you know, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to shut my mouth, and I'm going to enjoy him his senior year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy watching him. Right. He had been on three really good football teams, two at Meadow and one the first year at Grady. And his senior year, we went three and seven in football. You know, it was just misery. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I thought basketball might go the same way. Right. And we get in there and – you know, I listen to the players more than I had before. They have a suggestion. I'm saying, yeah, let's do it, you know. Right. We, we, we install this full court stuff that we do now, the run and jump. That's the year we added it because Sands was so big and so good. Um, and we just started winning, you know. We just started winning. And we're really winning a lot. And I'm like, what is going on? And we get in district, and we actually beat Sands, who's ranked number two in the state. We beat them at their place. And I'm like, this is crazy. Then we have a hiccup, and we lose at O'Donnell. And I thought, okay, there we are. There we are, you know. I <laughs> thought O'Donnell would be in the running, you know. 
And, uh, but then we pick it right back up. You know, it just pisses them off. They start the, the rematch with O'Donnell. We beat them by 40 something. You know, uh, we beat Sands a second time in district, you know, and we have one six footer. They have three guys over six, four. And like, mm. how are we doing this? Yeah. But we get in the playoffs and, and we just, you know, we win a couple of games. We beat Petersburg pretty good. Then we have a game with Valley, which is a big game. You know, we used to be at Valley. They're coached by Sean Harrison, who used to be at yep. Grady. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty big game. My point guard sick as a dog. He had to be – he was at the hospital the night before. Yeah. Uh, Zeke has a turned ankle. He can barely get up and down the floor. We just play terrible, and we win. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, every game I thought, you know, if this is the last one, okay. So we get to the regional tournament, and, of course, first round, there they are, freaking Nazareth. <laughs> and I'm like, again, you know, really? And I told Zeke, I said, you know, Zeke, when you were a freshman and we played Nazareth, you scored two freaking points. When you were a sophomore, you scored five points. <laughs> I said, as a junior against Anton when we lost, you scored five points. You have 12 points and three playoff losses. I said, maybe you ought to play better. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he just went off that day. He went, I, he dropped 30 or something. I can't remember. And you pushed the right button. Yeah, yeah. And we beat, I mean, we just beat the hound out of him. You know, beat him 20, I think. And probably could have been worse, you know, just mm-hmm. – and uh, all of a sudden we're sitting in the regional finals on a team that I thought we might get third in district, you know. But there they are again. You know, they're saying, standing there. And I remember telling Brad Cox before the game, he comes down there and he says, well, how you feel? I go, dude, it's the regional finals. If we lose in the regional finals, so be it, you know. Yeah. You know. And mm-hmm. uh, it was my fifth trip to regional, my first time to get to the finals. So I was – I, I would have been content, you know, if we had lost that. Right. And it looked like we were going to, you know, if anybody went to the game, we're down 14 in the third quarter. My two seniors both have four fouls early in the third quarter. And I thought – and I didn't take them out. I, I told them at halftime, I said, y'all can just figure it out. You know, either figure out a way to stay in the game and compete or finish your senior year sitting on the bench in a loss, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, they just found a way. And they – and they, we just started chipping away at it, chipping away, chipping away at it, and we won on the last shot of the game. And uh, it was crazy. It, it was absolutely just crazy. And, uh, you know, the, the friend side of me, because I'm good friends with Billy, I, I almost felt bad for him. If it would have been anybody else that beat him that way, I'd have felt bad for him. Right. But <laughs> I didn't feel bad for him because, no. <laughs> because my son and I were going to the state tournament. So, right. and uh, – that that's a cool experience, man. I, I I remember being at the state tournament and Tanner and Trey and Bubba sitting right behind me. And uh I walked over to him and I told Tanner, I said, Tanner, I played in the state championship in football and we played Nabiline. I said, Look how cool this is, dude. This is better, right? <laughs> of course that's before they played oh, everybody played in Arlington. You know? Right. But uh and my son got a two hand dunk during the game in the state tournament. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it was cool. And uh we gave up the state record for one point for points to one player in a loss. <laughs> <laughs> the kid from uh, the Tabor kid, Zach Tabor from oh Grayford scored forty three on us. Mm. He had twenty two free throws. Gosh. Man. We fouled out four starters. 
and uh, he uh, but he tied the record. I told y'all earlier, you know, John Ray Godfrey had the record. Right. That tied it. That tied the record. And uh, it was kind of a funny deal because that summer we were at uh, my grandpa's funeral in Aspermont. And I'm standing there out at the cemetery, and all of a sudden there's a nudge in my back, and Coach Godfrey whispers in my ear, thanks for giving up my record. <laughs> <laughs> like, my bad, Coach. <laughs> but but that was a cool experience, you know, you just – you know, guys that have been able to do that, go to state is cool enough. You know, it's what you work so hard for. To be able to do it with your 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 son, you know. My daughter was a cheerleader. My son was, you know, one of our best players. It was just a really, really cool experience. I was I was glad to see, you know, other buddies of mine, you know, Andy get to do it with his and you know, Trey yeah. and Trace get to go and just just a really cool deal. So uh but that, you know, that spurred more success. You know, they, they kept winning that group. They, uh, those two graduated. I, I, it's funny how you feel about that. My son played for me for four years. And when he graduated and left, it was, it was a little bit of a relief. You know, like, man, I don't have to defend that anymore, you know. Yeah. You know, and it really took me a few years before I really started missing him on my team. After about four years, I thought, man, it was fun when I had Zeke, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I, I haven't really had a lot of players that could do the things he could do. So, but uh, but we went on, went to the regional finals the next year, um, went back to the regional tournament the next year, lost to, lost to Naz. Uh, a couple of years later, we win it again, you know, win the regional. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I guess that was 2015. That's really a different experience, speaking of. I know y'all didn't ask this, but. You know, we went to two state tournaments while I was at Grady, and the, the difference in those two was crazy. Because 2012, literally, we were picked third in our district. So there was no pressure. You know, every mm-hmm. game we won was just like, wow, what's going on here? You know, and uh, the only pressure was really from our point guard, Branson Richards, who was just crazy competitive, and he was just driving those boys, you know, just driving them. But in 2015 – we knew we should get to the state tournament. We just, we knew we were the best team in the region. So that's a different feeling. You know, mm-hmm. anything short of the state tournament would have been failure. And I had lived yeah. that in 2011. <laughs> you know, I had felt that failure in 2011. I didn't want to feel mm-hmm. it again in 2015. We really felt that there was only one team in Texas better than us in 1A. We really felt that. And uh, we were right because they beat us in the state championship. <laughs> we were we were right about that the whole time. But that's that that winning, you know, winning it in 2012, winning the regional tournament was such joy, you know, make you cry joy. Winning mm-hmm. it in 2015 is sit down on a chair and breathe because you're so relieved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank goodness that's over. You know, and. Uh, Crazy. That's crazy how that works too. Oh yeah, like just from year to year, how it can do, how it can change. Yeah, that is. Well, we we were so loaded in 2012. Coach Lucas's son was so good. Coach Avery's son was unbelievably good. Gary Jones' son was on the team. He was unbelievable good. EJ, you know, who's married to my daughter, he was such. Mm-hmm. He, well, he was a, he was a starter on both teams. As a matter of fact, the 2012 yeah. and 2015 team, he was a starter on both. But, uh, I mean, we were just loaded. 
we were loaded. We 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 might have got first and second district had we split them up. But right, wow. Oh, it was ridiculous. You know, we had eight nine guys that could just shoot. yeah that could play. Uh, Talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we played. Uh, you know, it's always it's fun to me. Some guys don't like playing their buddies. I kind of do. It's fun to me. You know, I like to have banter back and forth with the other coach. I remember one year in 20, the, the 2013 season, 2012, 2013, we matched up in a, with the Water Valley tournament with Water Valley, who went to state that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, Andy and I are good buddies. And it was so, yeah. it's the fastest game I've ever seen in my life. I think they beat us like 95 to 90 or 88 or something, you know. So yeah. It's just ridiculous, you know, just fat. And I, I literally walked over there to his bench at one time. I said, This is crazy. He goes, Yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> just, <laughs> ridiculous fast and so I liked playing against some of the buddies you know I, I enjoyed sure. that I played against Kobe Abney quite a few times always enjoyed that uh, so 2015 on our way to the state tournament we matched up with Borden County and Borden County's even more fun because it's Trey and Bubba you know it's it's both of them you know uh-huh. and and anybody that knows me or knows Trey knows I love Trey Mm-hmm. The only thing I love more than Trey is I love beating Trey. That's like <laughs> that's like my that's like my favorite thing in the coaching world, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so <laughs> it, that that goes back so far. My son senior year when they come around and do the previews for football, and they talk to him, Zeke called out Tanner on his interview, and Tanner called him out back on his interview. On the TV, it was so fun. That, that is funny. TV. That's like that good. That's like good fun, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was really looking forward to a great game with Bubba and Trey. And you know, Trace was a freshman that year. I love Trace. You know, he and Dax, my stepson, were co- roommates in college, and and uh, I just thought it's going to be this is going to be so much fun. And we were so good that game. You know, we just we just hammered them. You know, and. Uh, I know they didn't enjoy it at all, but it was just a testament to how good that team we had was because their team was good. You know, that's the team that ended up going to two state tournaments as well. They were just younger then. And uh, that's just how, how loaded we any. I told my wife, you could coach this team to state, you know, there ain't no doubt, <laughs> you know, literally sit down and sit down and leave them alone. But so we go there, we get beaten and it wasn't, it, you know, when I tell you that it was a pressure season, it was still very enjoyable. You know, anytime right. you get to the state tournament, <laughs> you, you just you just got to enjoy that. And we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that season was over, going back to Cody Carroll, Cody Carroll calls me and says, hey, my job's open at Crum. And there aren't a lot of jobs that would take me away from Grady. Because, yeah. one, we had a big chunk of those players coming back. I thought – I thought the state championship was possible the next year as well. And, uh, but man, Crum, yeah. f- 15 state tournaments they've been to. Yeah. So I went up there and interviewed, took that job, and just, you, you just are in awe when you go to Crum. I mean, when you talk about the history of, call, of high school basketball in Texas, they're right at the top. You know, mm-hmm. five state championships, 15 tournaments you got to work out every day with 15 state banners hanging over your head. You're like, wow. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I loved those two years. Those years were fun. Good basketball. You play the Metroplex. 
my last three games at Crum were against Decatur, Argyle, and Dallas Lincoln. <laughs> Dude, that was different than playing Loop and Wellman. Yes. I was about to say, but that was fun to uh, watch. Coach. It was, it was, I mean, athletes, good basketball, packed gyms. I always thought Meadow and Ropes was a big robbery. I thought Grady Sands was a big robbery. Six miles separates Crum and Ponder. They yeah. both have five state championships each. Yes. Mm. First time we played Ponder, it was nuts. Absolute. People were standing all around the court. Couldn't sit down. It was just crazy. <laughs> crazy. But I really enjoyed it there. And I spent a couple of years there. And uh, and I had got divorced, you know, during all this time. And and uh, so after my second year at Crum, I was getting remarried. And I don't know if y'all remember when Valley was very good a couple of years ago, winning their two straight tech track titles. You know, they were so mm-hmm. good in football. They were so good in basketball. The little point guard, the little running back, one of the relay guys, Dax, I married his yeah. mom. Yes, sir. So she had no interest in moving up there. Dax was going to be a senior. So mm-hmm. so I, I left there and I moved out here and I moved to Lorenzo. And I've told this story several yeah. times. I took the Lorenzo job kind of as a, to me, a one-year deal. That was my plan, to coach at Lorenzo for one year. Then we'd move to Lubbock. I'd get a job in Lubbock. But I love Lorenzo. It just, man, what a great place Lorenzo is. Kids that work crazy hard, you know, supportive parents, supportive town people, just really supportive school board, you know, just just a great place Lorenzo is. And uh, and I coached there the boys one year, and then I moved over to the girls just because of some health issues, really, more than anything. And I've loved coaching girls. It's, it's, I coached boys for over 20 years. And I moved over to the girls, and I, I've just loved it. it. It had a really good group at Lorenzo that worked really hard. They won 24 games last year, just busting their hump every game. Little bitty, you know, just little bitty girls that work hard. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, I'm leaving now, going to Garden City. It was a very hard decision to do. But, you know, I believe, and I've said this before, there's kind of levels of schools in the six-man ranks you know, based on everything you throw together, you know, wealth of the school, success in athletics, you know, towns, you know, you throw everything out there, you know, there's a handful of them to me that stand above the rest. And to me, number one has always been Garden City. So when Jeff, you know, asked me to come to Garden City, it's, it's, it's just one of those jobs I couldn't say no to, you know, and, uh, yeah, and he's an all right guy. <laughs> no, I enjoy him. He's he's I I like him and well, I like all those. I mean, I don't know as many on the girls side, but man, Coach Ollie and Brad Hall and all those guys are good guys. Awesome. I have two assistants there named T.J. Christian and Rachel Moore, and they are fantastic, fantastic. Gotcha. We've been working out like everybody else. Man, the girls work mm-hmm. crazy hard. You know, they're athletic. Man, we, we got a girl out there named Jordan Driver. Oh, dude, she's an athlete. She's an athlete. You know, <laughs> I had one at Lorenzo named Mary Jane Huerta who's going to play basketball at McMurray next year. So uh, I'm mm-hmm. used to kind of having that one that's just crazy yeah. good. And, uh, that can just go. Oh, that yeah. Mary Jane Huerta, man, alive. She could get it done. <laughs> she could play. Yes, sir. 
she she made coaching girls fun. I didn't I didn't know if I thought I might miss the athleticism of the boys, but uh, she's the best athlete in Lorenzo, <laughs> boy or girl. So so I, I didn't miss that that much. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of my journey, coaching journey, you know. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. I'm I'm getting close to retirement age. I'm not ready to retire, but uh, but I'm but I'm to the age where I could. So. I'd like to get in another decade if I could, and I hope I can do it right there in Garden City. I haven't done that yet. I've moved around so much, but uh, hopefully we can get that done. So, yes, sir. I know that's yeah. I mean, like, I bet you'll do good work over there at Garden City. It's uh, that's a good place, and what you did at Lorenzo was nice. I mean, that was. I know that. I know that. That I think. I mean, that girls' program hadn't had that success in a while so that was that was neat to see they're fun girls are fun you know in this run and jump crazy you know we averaged 38 threes a game last year <laughs> 38 threes a game we shot and uh <laughs> girls really buy into that more than the boys did you know the boys still always you always got to when you coach boys you know you teach them what you want them to do but then they really kind of want to do what they see on tv you know so you're oh, always yeah. having to keep them in their lane, you know. They're like they're mm-hmm. like that kid learning how to ride their bike and they keep turning. You got to keep straightening them out. You got to keep straightening boys out. Girls don't do that. That's right. You know, girls do whatever you teach them. So if you if you're in a game and they're not doing something, either one they're incapable, or two you didn't teach them. You know. So you get, uh, I've enjoyed that part of it. So the crazy speed that we play has been amplified 10 times with the girls because they just sell out to it. I mean, a thousand percent, they're sold out to just wreaking havoc on the court. You know, we call it chaos and it is chaotic for sure. I think that, that, uh, that, that sums it up perfectly that they're either incapable or you didn't teach them. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing sometimes, because I mean, you have, you know, you kind of know what you expect, but you don't know if somebody else has taught that. And then you start teaching it and you're like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Let's get started. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you really think about that in the game. And and you, I'm to blame either way. If they're incapable of doing it and I'm asking them to do it, that's bad coaching. You know, if, if they yeah. need to be doing it and I've never taught them, that's terrible coaching. You know, that's terrible coaching. So, but it really, girls really makes you check off the boxes of what you've taught them because you see, you know, you may never work on rebounding with boys, but you got a big stud like Cole Avery, you're still getting rebounds, you know, yeah. but, but girls, mm-hmm. yeah. if you don't work on that, you ain't getting, especially little girls like Lorenzo, you ain't getting any rebounds. Mm-hmm. It's not getting any. <laughs> so you really got to, you, you got to mark all those boxes that you worked on all that stuff. Well, that's that's a good uh i'm gonna that's a good hedge or i guess hedge way into this next question but i want to ask because i'm gonna i really haven't asked many you know because like you said i'm more i really am more of a football guy i mean i like basketball but i definitely am probably more of a football guy so i'm gonna gear these questions more for basketball so for some of our listeners how do you i guess how do you break down your practices for basketball or maybe what are like some of your non-negotiables or or like things that you're like i'm gonna do these every single day you know, we, we, we try to practice like we play, which is fast, almost borderline out of control. So we practice that way. We do lots and lots of full-court drills every day, tons of them. 
from the time you get in practice until you leave, we're running. You know, anytime you step onto the actual court, you have to run. There's no walking. If your drill's over and you're coming off, you're running. You know, you're running everywhere because that's what we do. You know, line up and just run sprints. You know, the old killers or horses or whatever they call We hardly ever do that because every drill we do is full court as fast as you can go. You know, and uh, because we want to play that way, we make sure we practice that way. And we, we just have a million drills that involve that. We do things called nonstop 90s, which is, you know, about once every two weeks. We'll put 90 minutes on the clock, and we will go full court drills, full speed for 90 minutes with no breaks ever. Wow. And they just do it because, first of all, girls just do what you ask them to do. But they're so used to the running, you know, that they just do it, you know. They just, and before long, that 90 minutes is over. You know, they've had a crazy good workout, but we work out that way. You know, you have to take some time to do breakdown stuff, some time to work half court offense. But man, we'll teach a half court offense thing and then we will do it full court because we want to run into that set. You know, we run into right. everything we're doing. So I would say, you know, if you, if you looked at practice breakdowns for us, uh, almost probably 95% of every practice. It's a full court something. And probably 50% of every practice is shooting. And we do most of the shooting as full court stuff because that's how we play. And, you know, we want it to be chaotic. We want to play a style that other people, not that they're incapable of playing, but if you don't do it every day, then when game time comes, you're uncomfortable with it. Right. We, we want it uncomfortable for the other team. Look, look. maybe if this person played for us and went this speed every day, they could do it, but they don't. So this is different for them, you know, and, and we hope to wear them down through the course of that. And so we do a lot of shooting drills where we got, you know, 10, 12 balls going at the same time. I mean, you're having to dodge balls and dodge other players running up down the court to get your shots off. And that's okay because – that's a chaotic atmosphere that's going to happen in a game too. So, so we spend a lot of time playing that way. You know, we talk a lot about that. This is a little different, but about playing at an uncomfortable pace for them and trying to wear them down. And every team we play knows coming in that we're going to run that way. So their adrenaline's up. So normally teams will run with us for a while and be successful at it. You know, but when you go in at halftime, your adrenaline drops. Oh, yeah. Now you've got to come back out. You've just played a half faster than you've played ever, and you've got to come back out and do it again. And that's normally when you see what we do in practice being different than what other teams are used to doing. You know, so I, I would say the number one thing about practice is it, it, it's full court and fast and mm-hmm. not – uh, a lot of stand around, do slow kind of drills, you know. Right. Um, and that just helps the flow of practice better, too, absolutely. in my opinion. Because then, I don't know. You're like, absolutely right. I, I, and I like, I talk mm-hmm. about that all the time, about having flow. I always tell my coaches that, look, we want flow. We want flow. We don't yeah. want standing around. You know, people don't have time to jack around if they're running, you know, if they're busy. That's exactly right. 
if yeah. they're standing in a line 10 people deep waiting you know, for their turn to get up there and you tell them something, then, then they're jacking around and I, I don't want that, yep. you know? Um, I think that's something that's, you talk about non-negotiables, you know, there's a, there's a couple of things for us that are that way. One, we're going to work hard every day. You're going to hustle, you know, there's that, that's going to be there. There's no choice about it. You know, you either do that or don't play. Uh, the other thing is we're about team, you know, we're not about this person's mm-hmm. getting 20 shots and you're not getting any, you know, we run a pretty, uh, open concept offense. If I'm okay with somebody shooting the ball, then they can shoot it. We don't think about shots. We take a shot. If you take a shot and you pout because you missed it, then you're not playing. If, if somebody <laughs> takes a shot and somebody else throws their arm, can't believe they shot that, then that person's not playing, you know, because that's not what we're doing. You shoot it, you go rebound right. it, you play defense. That's all there is to it. You know, there's nothing else. So right. we, we, we try to instill that in them all the time. And within that guideline, you know, you got to come for those two hours every day with nothing on your mind but basketball. You know, your right. boyfriend, girlfriend, your algebra class, your, your upcoming driving test, you know, you're being grounded for this. None of that matters for two hours. You know, you right. talk to me about it before, talk to me about it after. For two hours, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want you talking to somebody else about it. I don't want you acting like it's bothering you. For two hours, get it gone and let's do work, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's just one of those things that's non-negotiable to us. You know, for two hours, right. we have to get better. And the only way to do that is to be laser focused on what we're doing. You know, things we do every single day is shoot the ball. Every day we shoot and yep. shoot and shoot. Max Scarborough told me a long time ago when I was first head coach uh, that if you, if you don't spend time shooting and practice, they're not going to be able to shoot because kids don't go to the gym as much these days as we did. You know, that's correct. So he said, if you don't spend time and practice doing it, you're not going to be as good at it. So we do it. You know, if Max Scarborough says right. do it, we do it. He's only one. Championships. What's he know? You know. <laughs> yeah, going back to that, uh, practicing fast, playing fast. See, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in you know, I want to play fast, and I want to push the pace, and I want to press, and I want to get after you. But sometimes, you know, during practice, I I struggle a little bit with the, uh, you know, I, I don't really have, I don't have an assistant coach. So when we're practicing, I've got to set everything up real fast. So then I've got to push the pace myself, and then sometimes I'll get to where you know, I'll I'll be giving them a break so I can set something yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, because you if you try to set up three or four, you know, I mean, you probably you know, you try to set up three or four different drills, but you're going full court. You're just going to run into cones for your next drill. So. Yeah. One thing you got to do, I think, it's helped me with all my better teams. If you got a point guard that is on board with what you're doing they can take so much pressure off of you. You know, they become like a coach to you. And, yeah. and my, I never in the summers tell kids what position to play or who to give in crunch time because I want to see what the kids think. Who do they believe in? You yeah. know, I, our point guard for three years at Grady was a guy named Joseph Brasino. He couldn't shoot. We were a team full of shooters. He couldn't shoot. He – he was not a great ball handler compared to some of the other ones, you know, but he was the absolute leader. 
whatever he said, those kids did. They believed in him. And so I believed in him. So I played him at point guard all the time. People always say, man, you should play this other kid point guard. Nope, not going to do it. You know, well, I heard some coaches whose sons were all point guards where they came from. And that's why I told him, I said, your son will not be point guard here. I'm telling you straight up, it's not going to happen because this is my guy, you know. And and I say that because Pooh, we called him Pooh, sorry. He could run the whole practice by himself, you know. And there were a lot of days yeah. where I would just stand there when he would come by and say, I want y'all to do this next. And boom, he would have them lined out, you know. <laughs> and, and in the vein of not, you know, keeping your flow, like you talked about, we don't take, we don't sit down ever. No, never, ever. We take breaks and shoot free throws at the same time. We do five-minute right. breaks throughout practice, and it's always water free throws. And that means go get a drink, shoot some free throws. Then if you want another drink, go get it within that five minutes. But that doesn't mean go visit, go sit down and act like you're tired. You know, I always tell them that if you start acting like you're tired, then your body starts believing you. So, That's right. so don't act like it. You know, so we, we never sit down. Never, ever, never. You know. And, and in order to keep them from doing that, we take those breaks where they shoot free throws while they're doing it. Plus, shooting with tired legs is crucial, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, shooting at the beginning of practice is almost uh, counterproductive because you're not going to play games with fresh legs. You're going to play games with tired legs, so especially when it matters. Oh, yeah. Clayton, Clayton Fryer told a story one time. I was talking at a clinic about the run and jump stuff. And he, ch- he said, you know, we played these guys. He said, and we knew what was coming, and we went out there, and he said, at halftime, we're up. He said, I, we're elated, you know. So we let the team go in, and I, and I stayed back thinking, I'm going to let them celebrate a little bit, you know, then go in there and talk to them. He said, so he waited a couple minutes. He said, I went in, and they were all laying on the ground. <laughs> he said, they were just so tired. He said, we came out second half and they just killed us. <laughs> and I thought that that's what it does. But in order, the only way to do that is to, is to practice it. This year we lost in the playoffs the last two years, but especially this year we lost to ropes in the playoffs and Leland runs that high, low stuff. Okay. So I cannot imagine the amount of time in practice Leland's team works on getting position in the post. Because that's not right. something you just tell a girl, hey, I want you to get positioned in the post, and then you just go in the games and do it. You spend time working on it, you know, and they're unbelievably good at it, ridiculously good at it. They're, his girls can use their body to get positioned better than any other team I've seen, you know, but that comes from working at So that's what they spend time working. We spend time working on, you know, that running crazy flow stuff. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what you got to do to be good at whatever you're doing. Yep. That's your question was now I forgot, but no, no, that's what it was. It was talking about, yeah, like, yeah, how you how you break down your practices and like some of the stuff you do every day. Oh no, you answered every single bit of the question. Well, and 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 some more, and you actually, well, and you actually kind of went over the. You actually went over the next the next question that we were going to ask it too. So (laughs) about the practice expectations. Practice expectations is to come ready to do it every day. Get there in a hurry. You know, um, we have a, we have a, we have a set of rules, 10, 10 rules. We call them the 10 commandments, you know, and, uh, I make them learn them, you know, we'll, we'll, 
In fact, we have commandment days where we'll line up on the sideline and I'll ask one of them what one of them is, you know, what's number one. And if they can tell me what number one is, then we'll run over and back. If they can't, then we'll run over and back 10 times, you know, and, uh, there are 10 things that we just think is very important to building a winning culture, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, and, and the rules aren't about winning as much as they are about being a respectable program that represents your school the right way. You know, that's what we want more than winning. Now it's nice to win. Don't get me wrong. You can represent your school the right way and win. I recommend that, you know, even better, (laughs) but if it comes to the difference between winning and acting a fool, you know, you know, if that, if that goes hand in hand, then I would rather lose and act right. You know? So we have those 10, Mm -hmm. we call them the 10 commandments and it's just 10 things that we think are important. And we just make sure they know those and we try to live by them. Right. Yeah. We, I kind of have, uh, I have something similar to that too. I, that's or I, it's called the 10, I do the 10 commandments of being a, like a good teammate or something, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I like, I like stuff like that. Yeah. You should, we should probably break it down more because one of ours is be about the team, you know? And so, but when we do our running, those days where we do the running stuff to the commandments, we talk about what each one of those is. Like number one on our commandment list is be on time all the time. You know, that's a right. simple thing. But we stop and explain what that means. That yeah. doesn't mean be running into the locker room door when it's time to be starting. You know, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and so we'll talk about that. You know, be about the team. That's number two on our list. So we explain what that means. What is it about being a good teammate? What is it about? You know, not not dogging your teammates or your coaches or your program out to other people. You know, protect uh-huh. your team. You know, we talk about that a lot. You know, uh, be that's coachable. Good. That's one of them. We talk about that all the time. What does it yeah. mean to be coachable? You know, we talk about that. So we, we make sure we go over what all those 10 things are and make sure they understand what each one of them means. Yes, sir. I, you know, we did that, too. I think I like, though, I like. The one thing that I didn't do, and I think I'm going to do this, so I don't think I don't think any of my boys probably listen to this, but if they did, I think I'm going to start doing like you do. Though I'm going to, I think I'm going to start quizzing them basically, and if they can't tell me them, then they'll have to run. Though I haven't, I haven't incorporated that. I kind of like that idea. They too. do learn it that way. I, we we oh, make yeah. a video even the Lorenzo girls. I don't know if y'all seen it, but where they're throwing the ball out of the screen and and they're going over the Ten Commandments. You know, one of them will catch the ball say these are the ten commandments and they'll throw it and say be on time all the time and then they'll throw it to the next one. Okay. You know, we made that just as a reminder so they can watch it and go, Oh yeah, I gotta remember that. I gotta remember that. Right. Yes, sir. I I think that's a good idea. I'm gonna because like I said, I have some something similar to that, but I think I'm gonna have start doing uh having them have to tell me what it is or they're gonna have some type of uh a reminder. That's what I call them reminders. <laughs> but uh fix it. That's what we anyway. we call them fix it. You know, I got that Ken Allison about fix it stuff. You know, if you if you are supposed to be blocking out and you block down, okay, then when you get back, you know you did it, then fix it. Which for him was ten updates. You know, I do five push ups. So if we're in basketball practice and you're and you drop a pass, you know, then when you get off, then fix it. Just do five push ups. All it is is reminding you. You know, I'm a big believer in push ups in practice because running as punishment isn't great for us because we run yeah. all the time. I don't want a negative connotation yeah. with running. 
Yep. So I'm the man. I'm the exact same way. You know what? I remember uh, Coach Jones over at Garden City. Actually, I remember hearing him at a clinic about, gosh, I don't know, five years ago or so. But anyways, I remember him. He said on that, he said, I don't punish kids with running because that's what he said. He said, I don't want them to view running as a, you know, as yeah, like as a negative thing. Like he wanted them to get to where running was. And I, and that always kind of hit me. And I thought that's it. So ever since then, I don't, I don't punish with running either. Yeah, you so. can. I, that's why I do put, I'm big on communication, like talking, you know. So when we're running drills in practice, you'll hear them just screaming all the time. The kids are all, we run yeah. secondary break. And every kid that's ever played for me can run that and go corner, swing, 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 yeah. you know, they just yell it the whole time, you know, and, yeah. uh, if they don't do it, we always just stop and we'll do pushups, you know, I'll just say, okay, everybody down and we'll just do, and, yep. and then I'll go, okay, let's talk. You know, I don't want it to take a long time away from practice. I just want to do that. You know, now mm-hmm. I have started doing a little running through stands. Um, this may be the smartest thing I ever did. And I just started it this year. I get so tired of working on blocking out and then kids not blocking. You know, they know how to block out. Once you show them one time, okay, then it's about remembering to do it. It's not a great skill. I always say that blocking out's not a skill. It's a decision. So I got my assistant this year, Coach Salinas, when we would do drills, any drill that would involve rebounding, anything. You know, I don't care if it's a two-on-two shooting drill. You know, we're going to block out. So she watches. And when we're doing something, if you don't block out, she'll just say, okay, Mary, go run. And there's a track through the stands they got to go run. Okay. And they hate it. And I don't know that they hate the running as much as they hate just being called out on it and having to, right. you know. And it is up and down the stands. You know, the Garden City girls are really going to hate it because those stands are so big. But <laughs> I'm telling you, it changed our rebounding. Best blockout team I've had in 20 years. Bar none. Every possession, every – in fact, I sent film to some coaches for Mary, and one of the coaches wrote back, and she said, your blockouts are unbelievable. <laughs> she said, I want – them all the time. These are the best blockouts. And I said, because they don't want to run those stands. That's why. And I don't stop practice and have the whole group do it. It's just one person at a time. Yeah. You go do it. You go do it. You yeah. go do it. You know. And Coach Selena, she like a little drill sergeant. You know, she ain't letting you get away with it. <laughs> so. <laughs> and we'll do it. In fact, we'll do it too on offensive rebound. So if you're corner and you're supposed to go get offensive rebound and you stand there and don't go, she sends you. It's time to go run. You know, go get those stands yeah. in. It's it's our version of the treadmill. That's it. <laughs> the uh, I tell uh, I always t- shoot. I always tell just because I, I mean, obviously I'm more on the boys side, but I always tell our kids I'm like, blocking out to me is kind of like similar to like blocking in football. I mean, it's really a decision, and it's just if you really want to do it. I mean, because you know, like yes, there is a skill in blocking in football, but at the very end of the day, it's it's like if it's rather you really want to block. Absolutely. So I try. To- I always try to tell them that I'm like it blocking out to me and blocking in football is about, it's like, it's just whether or not you want to, cause it's not the, you know, it's not the flashy thing. It's not the, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, cause everybody wants to know who the leading scorer is. Nobody wants, to, nobody usually cares about who the leading, you know, rebounder or blocking out person is. But that's why I always, I always try to tell them like, it's just, it's a matter of if you want to do it or not. Yeah. yeah. I always tell them there's two, there's two kinds of memory necessary in basketball. There's muscle memory and there's brain memory. 
I said, yeah. muscle memory is learning how to shoot the right way, right? Learning how to dribble the right way, you know, doing it repetitive, doing it. Yes. You know, you learn muscle memory through repetition. The more you do it, mm-hmm. the better you get at it. I said, brain memory yep. usually comes through punishment. You know, if your yeah. brain's not remembering to do something, then we have to do push-ups or something to remind you. Yeah. It's, your, it's your brain memory. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just uh, – something i throw at them pretty often so they remember to do that <laughs> that's good stuff i like uh the ten commandments stuff there was a lot of that stuff that i i, I hate to to admit to it but i i, I came in and i had every intention of doing a lot of things and there were some things that just just didn't immediately go the way that i wanted to and i would just i just fell off of it and you know i did i started off uh can't remember i started the first week of basketball season and we were going to do a word of the week and anyway i gave them a piece of paper and it had it had a little story on it and they had to fill it out and i think the first week i had three girls turn in and um you know and i, I should have reinforced it probably immediately but i just you know all right we'll give it another week so i tried it another week i had those same three girls and i think one more turned it in and then the third and i i didn't do anything about it third week nobody turned it in and I was, and so I just, I gave up on that, that whole little idea, but I think uh, it probably, that definitely needs to be something that, that has a, uh, you know, some negative reinforcement behind it if they don't do it. You know, you know something that I've learned over the years is don't, there, there's so much stuff in sports out there that you can put in so many cool ideas, you know, cool drills, you know, cool uh, extra stuff like you're talking about, you know offenses defenses there's so much you know you can't do it all and i've really pared down what i've done over the years to do just what i believe in you know if i see a really cool drill that that you know uh kobe abney is showing at a clinic but it it's not something that we're gonna do it doesn't really fit what we're doing then i don't bother with it you know if i already have a drill that backs up rebounding I don't need 10 rebounding drills, you know, I want them to know that skill for the game, not to know 15 drills, you know? So I I really am simplistic in how I do things. And it took me a while to learn that, but I know that if it's not something I'm fully committed to, then I'm going to do just like that. And I am not going to stay on it enough to matter. And if you tell kids something and then you don't do it, then, then they don't think that's important. And if you do that enough, then they start to think, well, nothing's really important to him. You know, we can do whatever we want. So I really try to stay within what we're going to do. If it's not something we do in our style of play in a game, then we don't practice it. And my style of play is not the only way in the world to play. I'll never, you know, you always get people that say, uh, you know, you could win if you would do this, or why don't you play some one three one zone? Or well, yeah, one three one zone's great. It's just not what we do. You can't do everything. You just can't. You know, I don't know. How, right. I don't know how guys that run ten defenses have time to work on ten defenses. Right. If you play me, we're gonna play you man. You know, I'm not saying man's better than anything else. It's just what I have time to work on. You know, so yeah. so lots of stuff like that. You know, I see guys that keep all kinds of shot charts and, you know, stat programs and they give them stickers for stats. And that's great if that's what you believe in. I don't. And I'm not going to take the time 
and it's gonna it's gonna wane off and it's gonna lose its effect. So I don't even do it. You know, let's tell the girls we're we're here to put, win basketball games, play basketball, win basketball games. You know, all that other stuff doesn't matter. Did you know in 20 years as a head coach or however long I've been longer than that, I've only had one kid one time ever come after the game and ask how many points they scored. One. Really? Once ever. Because we're very team scoring minded. You know, I've had two kids in my whole career average 20 points in a season. Twice that's ever happened. That's it. So because we're so team minded in practice every day, we just talk about every day, you shoot it. You you know, it's never get it to her and let her score. Get it to him and let him score. That translates into the game because that's just what we do in practice. You know, right. I always, I, I've always thought about that. If, if in the game, if in practice, you know, I've said everybody's a shooter, everybody, but then in the game, I'm like, y'all stink and give the ball to Zeke, you know, every time. Then that's, that's <laughs> counter to what we're doing, you know. So right. I always thought the best coaches were the guys that in the games looked like they weren't doing anything. And that's because in practice, they're working like crazy. You know, and and those kids already know that stuff by the time it's game time. You know, that, that's that that's to me who I always thought the best coaches probably were. You know, they did all their correcting, all their uh, punishment, all their yelling, all their everything, game planning in practice. And in the game, the kids know what they're doing. So they can sit there and go, that's right, good job, high five, you know. Like a like yeah, a Joe think, Lombard, you know. What's that guy know yeah. about winning? But you know, you watch him in a game, he's very calm, you know. He's not over coaching him in a game, you know. Yeah, that that sums up perfectly this quote that I read a few months ago that said, uh, the whole object of coaching is to eliminate the coach. Yeah. I mean, you just wanna you wanna coach them so much that come game day, you can sit there and say nothing. And they know what to do. And, you know, I had to learn that. My first two years as a head coach at Valley, every time I would go to a clinic, every time I would go scout, I would see a team do something that really worked well. And I would think, hey, we're going to do that. And we're going to do that. And we're going to do that. And by the year ended, you know, we had like 20 different offenses. We had all this, all that. So after year two, I called my two seniors in that year. And I said, look, I want to get better. I want us to get better. What do you guys think we could have done better this year? And one of them said, Coach, there was too much stuff. There's too much. They said, we spent every day learning a new offense, you know? And we and and that was about the time that Scarborough told me, you got to spend time working on shooting. And I thought, you know what? You're right. So, man, I ripped everything out. And I kept two offenses. You know, I, I run a continuity offense. We just run it all the time. You know, we'll run against your man. We'll run against your zone. We don't care. We're going to run it because it's just kids playing basketball. And we started spending more time shooting because the name of the game in basketball is to put it in that little basket, which is not an easy thing to do, you know. And you can work on all kinds of stuff to get you layups, but when you play good teams, you're not going to get them, you know. You better be able to shoot the ball, <laughs> you know. So I spend more time working on that less time working on different offenses and different defenses, inbounds plays. Guys, if you play me, we don't know what we're doing on inbounds. I'm giving, I'm giving them this little 
this little index finger circle thing, meaning do whatever you want. I don't care. Get open, you know, (laughs) because anytime you play somebody good, they've scouted all those things and they're not going to let you do it, you know? Right. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I don't have time to sit there and put in 50 inbounds plays. You know, we got to practice shooting. We ain't got time for all that. So I'm so simplistic. What you just said about eliminating the – Last year at Grady, standing on the baseline one day watching them themselves. I don't think they need me, <laughs> you know, really. I think I could go yeah. home right now and they would go through practice just fine, you know. Heck, yeah. Yeah, I think I, that's kind of how I was on, on inbounds plays. I think I remember uh, our first game. I had I had two inbounds plays and they were I mean the the most simplest thing in the world and immediately I mean you know not even uh, full into the game it was the second game of the year not even full into the game they had figured out that we had two inbounds plays and they basically had known how to stop them so I just told them I just told them stack because apparently that's just a universal term in basketball and every every girl and boy knows knows what to do and so we just started stacking up a bunch and just I just told them all run opposite directions a few uh you know during a summer league game and so we ran stacking that and and it if you know it works every single time because it's it's chaotic and you can't really scout it because it's like that's right oh you know where she's going guys I run I run an inbounds play we call Indian it's ridiculous and I started running it against Seminole one year because they were real big, and we couldn't get the ball inbounds. So I'd just stand a guy in each corner, and I'd put a guy on the block. And and they would just sag in on the block, and we'd just throw it to the corner and shoot a three. Now, yeah. most people don't want a three off the inbounds, but we're going to shoot 38 threes a game anyway. What do I care? You know? And yeah. it, it's insane how it works. And it works against everybody. Everybody. And if you go out there and cover those shooters, we just give it to that post player. And I'm like – why does this even work? I don't know why it works, but it does. You know, it's going to work most of the time. There's no movement to it. There's just it's just stand there, catch the ball, and shoot. It's crazy. Dang, that's good stuff. Well, I like. I just like that too because I I've had, I, and I definitely have been guilty of doing the putting on too much and then. Um, but I know one year I had, I mean I had all these inbounds plays, and then half the time. Either a, you know, you don't. You, at the end of the day, you'd only run about three of them, and, and or, or, you know, half the time the kids back. Coach, I don't even remember that one. Like, I don't even, you know. And then you're calling, you're calling it out from the sidelines, and they're looking at you like, what? It's like I don't even. And and then it ends up being like they just run somewhere anyway, and so it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Coach, uh, Coach Avery, at Ponder, you know, he's won 800 games, been to a couple of state tournaments, one state. He runs one inbounds play, one. Every time he yeah. runs the same thing. And I thought, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Why not? I'll run it to you know. I think that's a good idea. I gave I gave, you know, uh y'all know Coach Kirkendall just passed. Yes, and, sir. Uh, but one year when Coach Kirkendall was my assistant, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna give inbounds to him because he is a very eager guy. You know, he really wanted to be involved. And I said, I'll tell you what, Chris. I said, you do inbounds plays. I don't even care what they are. You do them in practice. You can do them in the games, whatever. Well, oh, my gosh, he put in about 20 of them. And he had these, <laughs> he had these cards, different color cards and stuff. And 
it was driving the boys bonkers. You know, just, they would look over at those colors and go, what? And they were used to playing for me. You know, I, I had one, really, you know. And they're like, and finally I had to tell them, I said, Chris, I want you to do the inbounds, but I want you to do two. <laughs> just two. <laughs> Make it simple on them, okay? And, uh, man, that kind of hurt his heart a little bit. He's like, oh, man, I wrote, I worked hard on all these inbounds plays. I go, I know. And there's a place for them, but it's not here. Man, what a great guy, by the way. You know that's a that's a sad deal. I went down and spoke at his funeral on Saturday, and what a yeah. what a, what a, what a sad deal. But what a great guy. You know, I don't want the the sadness of the event. You know, I don't ever want that to take away what a great fun guy Chris Kirkendall was. You know, fun guy. You know, you talk about people that had a zest for living. You know, Chris Kirkendall had a zest for living. He just. He loved to hunt. He loved to fish. He loved to coach. He loved to talk. He loved to go out and eat. You know, he loved all that stuff. And he just, I, I, I never saw him hardly down, you know, or tired or, or anything. He just, he was always into something, you know, just, just enjoying being alive. And I, it, it was an absolute pleasure for me to know the guy. Yes, sir. Yeah. That was sad deal. So, Coach, you got a you got a favorite joke you can tell us? Man, I only remember I, I can't remember jokes ever. I remember one uh, the same that way. incidentally Kirkendall told me this joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I just now remember he's the only he's the one that told me this joke. So there's this there's this guy goes to the NBA. You've probably heard this. He goes to Game Seven of the NBA Finals, and he's 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 on the floor, got courtside seats, and the mm-hmm. seat beside him is empty. He's like, it's game seven of the NBA Finals. Why would a seat be empty? So he leans across and asks the guy next to it. He goes, do you know why the seat's empty? And he said, it's my wife's seat. And he said, oh, is she coming? He said, no, she passed. First NBA Finals game she ever missed. We always came together. The guy said, man, I'm sorry you came by yourself. Didn't you have any friends or family that could come? He said, no, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> that's the only joke I ever remember. That's that's sad, isn't it? That's, that's pretty funny. I thought you were going to say something about this is probably the quietest NBA game I've ever been to or something <laughs> like that. Like a, a you just throw different punchlines in there. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, Coach, we got we got one last question for you. You ready? Yep. All right. If you could go back and talk to day one, Coach Clay, what advice would you give him? You know, I thought about this in a little bit. This is a tough question, too, because there's, there's a lot of stuff you learn along your journey. A lot of stuff you learn. Mm-hmm. But I think I would tell him to learn to control your team without being controlling. You know, if you have good enough expectations and the kids respect you, then they're going to do it because because they respect you and you have those expectations instead of because they're going to get in trouble. You know, I want kids to play hard for me because they want to play hard for me, not because they're worried what I'm going to do if they don't, but just because they know you've put in the work. You know, and I wasn't always that guy. I wasn't always that guy. You know, there's a there's an old story about I used to tell my point guard at Crumness all the time. Said, you know, if you're on top of the hill 
with your army and the battles down below, when you say charge and take off down the hill, are they behind you or are they sitting at the top of the hill watching you? Because if they're sitting at the top of the hill watching you and you have to push them off to get them to go into battle, then you're not their leader. You know, if you're going to be their leader, when you take off, they're going to take off with you, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think you get that by you control your team without being controlling. You know, you, I like, yeah, but day one, coach Clay wouldn't have listened. (laughs) (laughs) He would just think I'm an old fool, just like most other people. Yeah. And I think, I think even with, uh, I think even with nowadays kids, I think that's even like even more, I guess, prevalent. Not that I, you know, not that I'm saying anything bad about current kids, but I just, I feel like, you know, they, especially kids nowadays are just the way they, they, what they see on social media and just how much access they have and everything. I don't think they don't like, you know, being controlled, I guess, to a certain extent. I don't know if I'm making sense exactly, but. I think that's I think that really applies today. Like you still have to be in control with them, but they 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 can't think that you're just really trying to Well, because they know. want they want to grow up now. Yeah. I mean that's what every kid wants is they want their decisions now. They want to be grown now. They want to live on their own now. They want to make their own rules. And I think I think when you know, you get to, to kids now and you see that a lot. You see a lot of a lot of kids on social media that, that portray that they do what they want 24 7 and i think they you know kids kind of kids kind of want that and um i think that i think that that kind of hurts a little bit of of people as far as you know the 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 true discipline coaches that try to be more dictator than you know leader i guess you could say you know i think you i think you got to give them some some States, ownership. some ownership in the team. You know, you have yeah. non-negotiables mm-hmm. that are going to be your way, but with, but yeah. within the team, there are things that if your leaders come to you and say, "Hey, coach, we were thinking about this." If it's not against one of your non-negotiables, then why not? You know, why yeah. not? Yeah. You know, and uh, the older I got, and the more I was willing to listen to players. You know, sometimes they have good ideas. Sometimes they know the other players better than you. You know, so so sometimes I'll listen to that. And I, I, I would do it, you know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind making changes sometimes yeah. that didn't affect something major, but would like when you're speaking yes. of inbounds, I started letting each week a player bring an inbounds play. Teach it to That's the team idea. and that week we would run that inbounds play. You know. I like and that. it just gave them a little a little what for, you know. But your non negotiables yeah. you have to stick with. You know, yes. you know, I know this oh, yeah. if you want to win big not not just win a game, but if your plan is to build a winning program, you have to be willing to lose. If if you're if you're compromise what you believe builds a winning team in order to win a game, you know, say so and so, you know, Johnny's not doing things the way you want him to, but the only way you're going to win tonight is to play Johnny. Then then you're not helping your program become a winning program, you know. Johnny needs to sit his butt down and learn how to do things the right way. And that might mean losing. It might mean losing. You know, uh, I've lost a lot of games, (laughs) a lot. So what, you know, uh, if it helps your program turn around and become a winning program, then, you know, somebody said, 
who knows who said it? everybody's heard it you know uh you can't let you got you got to look out for every player but you can't let a single player be bigger than the program you know and yeah. and and that's the deal there you you have to be willing to lose games to create a winning program yeah. yes sir good deal well, hey man coach that i heard a lot of good uh info i I enjoyed the, I enjoyed you uh, being on our podcast. Well, with all that being said, an, uh, an hour and forty minutes of it, uh, whoever's listening to this thing, don't take any of my advice because I don't know anything. I, I know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm awesome. stumbling no. along through a coaching career that's you know, ups and downs, and who knows where it's going. So, you know, everybody forge your own path out there. Shoot, I already, hey, I already, I wrote. I wrote some note down, some notes down for uh, myself on some of the stuff you just oh, said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was excited when whenever he told me we we're gonna have another girls basketball coach on because I really don't don't get to talk to a lot of other girls basketball coaches. You know, coaching girls is interesting, be, be, especially if you've coached boys before because they're just different. You know, the first thing I had to learn was you can't just say go do it and they'll go do it. You have to explain to them every single step of the process. You know, mm-hmm. with boys, you could say, okay, right now you're going to sprint to half court. You're going to set a screen on that dummy there. Then you're going to spin out and you're going to run down there, catch the ball, shoot a layup. And the boys will just take off. Whether they're doing it wrong or right, they have in their mind how they're doing it. You know, as you're saying yeah. doing it, each one of them are going, oh, yeah, I know what he means. You know, whether they know yeah. or not. You know, you say that until girls go, everyone will stand there and look at you like, what are you talking about? You know, and until you show them step for step, exact, what do you, okay, run over where at half court? Half court, you know, is 45 feet wide. Where do you want me to run? You know, okay. Run back court. Yeah, you want me on the left side of the circle, the right side of the circle? You want me in the middle? Yeah, yeah. Set a screen. Okay, how do I set a screen? Show me, you know. Okay, when I run back there, how fast do you want me to run? Like, oh, my God. But once you show them, they'll do it every time. You know, they'll do it. So, uh, it's been really, really rewarding. I think the other difference, it may, you probably know this, but sometimes I, 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 I use humor in practice. You know, I learned that from an old coach of mine, Henry Anderson, who's a, you know, hall of fame track coach was my high school coach. And man, he, he could make things funny and be torturing you at the same time. But with boys, if you stop practice and crack a joke or, crack on somebody you have to refocus this which isn't always easy you can do that with yeah. girls and they'll they'll laugh for a minute and then they're right back to work right back into it you know that's just a huge difference in them right there mm-hmm. yes sir oh yeah for sure yeah that's yeah i was glad to have you on because like i said i I knew it helped him out a lot too, being like girls basketball. And I think you're really, which is kind of funny, you know, the, when I got Coach Copley on here, I was kind of like, you know, I was like, he's more, he's kind of a basketball guy. And then it was kind of ironic because then in the interview, you know, in the interview, he's telling, you know, these two guys, he's like, well, I'm, I'm the football coach. I don't even coach basketball. And I was like, guys, but he is a basketball coach. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I was like, trust me. I was like, he's a basketball coach. Yeah. When he told me he was taking that, I'm like, calling him going, what are you doing, man? He's like, well, we're going to be really good. So, you know. Yeah. But anyways. Um. Oh, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, 
I'm sure I'll, I'm sure you'll hear from me time to time bugging you now that Coach Kelly gave me any time, show. man. <laughs> I will tell you whatever ridiculous notion I have. So, <laughs> oh shoot, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's right. Yes, sir. Hey, have a good day and hey, good luck to y'all this year. All right, thanks, Coach. You too, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right, this has been Coaching Interrupted, where we build winners on and off the field and court. We'll see you next time.